There's a conspiracy afoot that's pulling the world into darkness. Information is the new battlefield. Propaganda, disinformation, and media manipulation dominate the minds of the public. Join us on the Dark to Light Show as we remove the head of the snake and expose media censorship, social and cultural engineering, and the unfolding global conspiracy of the New World Order. All right, welcome back to the Dark Delight Show. My name is Josh here with Jim Price, the one, the only, and the man, the myth, the legend. Jim Price, how are you doing? Hello, doing good, man. Doing good, living life, right? Hey, the uh, the Hollywood uh, Writers Union strike thing is almost over. Did you miss them? I didn't even know there was one. <laughs> they have a tentative agreement, so there's that. And all of that had to do with contracts that they were wanting to break with certain writers and actors within certain studios. Kind of like the, remember Yellow Trucking when they went down? Mm-hmm. Well, they're coming back as soon as the six-month break from the union, to break away from the union contracts they were in. So they had to go into bankruptcy for six months as a term of the conditions of their contract. And isn't that funny how unions just keep touching our life? I want to touch you. I want to touch you with my UAE or AAU or whatever the auto workers union, <laughs> whatever the NEA or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, they're they're going to take down the auto industry. They're going to destroy cars in this country because these companies can't do this. I mean, it will go down in flames. But I think that's part of the plan. Well, you know what is the? Uh, I think that they're going to try to extend this as long as possible. If we remember last year around the same time. Uh, I think you had the rail workers union strike and remember they all came out and they disagreed at the last moment and extended it for a few more months, Uh, but it didn't have nearly the effect that they thought it would. And I think that this is going to do the same thing. Um, You know, Jim, this weekend was quite an interesting weekend. Okay. Um, Our, our homeboy over there, uh, president Zelensky of Ukraine. Oh, Z. Yeah, man. So he he actually went to uh, Canada this weekend. Canada, cool deal. They got, they yeah, got good he, waterfalls and stuff up there. They do, they do. And um, <laughs> he uh, presided, him and Justin Trudeau presided over a presentation where okay. they gave uh, a standing ovation in the Canadian Parliament during Zelensky's speech to a 98-year-old World War II veteran. Oh, oh, wait, wait. Is there more? Oh, there, there's a lot more. So this was a 98-year-old veteran by the name of Yaroslav Hunka. All right? Okay. And uh, he emigrated to Canada after the conclusion of World War II. II. Right. Um, right. So he received a standing ovation from the House of Commons in Canada and was recognized by Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and President Zelensky of Ukraine Mm -hmm. yesterday. Two days ago. Sorry. Two days ago. Um. And he was hailed as a hero for fighting against the Russians. Oh. Jim, Jim, who fought against the <laughs> Russians in World War Two? <laughs> this, this, I'm, I'm let's see, uh, Alex. Uh, who were the German soldiers? Uh, <laughs> so Yaroslav Hunka is a veteran of the 14th Waffen Grenadier Division of the SS, the First Galatian. Uh, of the Nazi oh. military. <laughs> so quite literally, people, President Zelensky and Justin Trudeau oh. gave a standing ovation to a real-life Nazi. Nazi. 
Like real Nazi. Not like the like, like we yeah, call yeah. German soldiers Nazis all the time, but no, he was the real Nazi. Like he was yes. <laughs> he, he was a member of the Waffen SS. This is a real Nazi. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, card carrying kind of guy, you know. Yeah, card carrying cool. kind of guy. El speaking the Deutsch. Yeah, that's fine. That's papers, that fine. please. Yeah. Yeah. I no, I, I have a problem with this because like okay. I said, they're no longer hiding it, people. Mm-hmm. Now, right out on it. Many yeah. people don't know. And by the way, he's Ukrainian. And so, That's wait, right. wait a minute. He's Ukrainian? Jim, mm-hmm. yeah. how do you have Ukrainian Nazis? Uh, Gazarian much? Or, I mean, uh, I don't know, Josh. That seems really suspicious. I thought we got rid of those Nazis in World War II. Ooh, wee! Thank goodness we won the war. Well, we? you know, there, there's some there's some things here. When the Nazis invaded Russia, Ukraine actually jumped on board with the Nazis, just kind of bent over uh, and took it uh, in the back. Uh, you uh, had uh, various different detachments. The Germans enlisted 250,000 native Ukrainians for duty in five separate formations during the National Military Detachments to VVN and the Brotherhood of Ukrainian Nationals, DUN, and the SS Division, Galatia, and the Ukrainian Liberation Army and the Re- Ukrainian mm-hmm. National Army. Now, interesting enough, the latter two um, is where you get a lot of what happened <laughs> um, right. this is this is some interesting stuff here so ukraine became an instrumental part in world war 2 and i'm going off a of memory here so don't quote me on any right. of this but uh uh what's his name his name is uh i'm, I'm looking yeah. for the name cuz i'm forgetting it but it's uh oh man it's bander banderlin the Bandersol, yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyways, he was yeah. one of the Ukrainians who led the uh, the Nazis in Ukraine. Oh, so he's a leader. That's great. Oh, I mean, uh... <laughs> jeez. Well, how did they dig this guy up? I mean, and it, but figuratively, I'm speaking here. But he's 98 years old, and then this guy just happens to be known by the Zelensky and Trudeau to then mm-hmm. make it at the exact same time they're there to present himself. Bandolarians. The old Bandolarians, yeah. What, Bandolarians. What's the, what's the math on him? Just happened to be around and happened to be there and happened to be invited. I mean, is that they just found him on Facebook or something? They put in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they must have just found him on Facebook and surviving, you know, German soldier or something like that. So, you know, Stefan Bandera. There we go. Okay, so here we go, guys. So the OUN is the Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists, and this is one of the primary organizations founded in 1929 in Vienna that supported the Nazis during the Second World War. Two of the people, um, Andre Melanik and Stefan Bandera, were became their leaders. Now, he, here's the interesting things that you don't hear about in the news. Um, during World War II in 1940, the o- OUN split up into two parts. The older, more moderate members supported Andre Melanik's OUNM, while the younger, more radical members supported Stefan Bandera's OUNB. 
On June, uh, in June 30th, 1941, UNAB declared an independent Ukrainian state in Lviv, um, which had just come under Nazis' control in the early stages of the Axis invasion of the Soviet Union. OUNB, led by Bandera, pledged to work closely with Germany, which was described as freeing the Ukrainians from Soviet oppression. OUNB members subsequently took part in the Lviv program. Response to the OUNB Declaration of Independence. The Nazi authorities suppressed the OUN leadership. Members of the OUN took an active part in the Holocaust in Ukraine and Poland. What they don't tell you is that these Nazis of the, or sorry, the OUNB, the Ukrainians, are the ones who ran the concentration camps in Poland and are responsible for over 750,000 deaths. Oh, so they and so, weren't the humanitarian ones? They weren't the ones? No, were no, like, they weren't the humanitarian ones. And so uh, what happened is, is after World War II, all of the Ukrainian Nazis got complete immunity during the Nuremberg trials. And the reason is, is because of their close proximity to the Soviet Union at the time. And they're despised for the Soviets. And so what happened is, is they went in there and got funded by the Central Intelligence Agency. Right. And this was Bandera. Now, did you know in 2014 when the Azov militants, which are Nazi militants, the Azov and many of the OUN people are still active today, mm-hmm. when they formed the coup working with the Central Intelligence Agency of the United States of America and they went and formed the coup and overthrew uh, the, the government of Ukraine and in place the U.S. puppet show, right? Um, they took down all the old Soviet statues, that's and guess what statue they put up in 2014 in the Capitol Square? Oh, tell me. Stefan Bandera. What? Yeah. And, and can you take a wild guess what the emblem of the OUN is? It's blue uh, and yellow. It has a sword and a shield. And uh, Zelensky wears it as the national flag. All the time. In his all little BDU the time. greens. Yeah, he's he's always mm-hmm. a big, he's a big military guy. He's, he's Guys, we're we're dealing with real Nazis here. Th- yeah, this I is the rise we of the, the Fourth Reich. I thought the conservatives well, were Nazis. What, this is they, the rise of they, the Fourth uh, Reich, my friend. Are they are they deflecting onto us their own behaviors? Is that what they keep doing? Just curious. I, I would say so. <laughs> These are real Nazis, people. Wow. Oh, and they're just showing it to you. They're not even hiding it. Like, they didn't yeah. even, like, like, oh, he's a, you know, they didn't even get, like, a guy that was in the guard or something, you know, maybe the, you know, the, the National Guard or the state, something like that. No, they they got the one of the good ones. Wow. Well, did, did you also see, Jim, the other news this weekend about Ukraine? Uh, we're sending him more money again? Oh, wait. Yeah, no, U.S. taxpayers are paying the salaries of thousands of Ukrainians and paying oh. all their farmers to keep on producing crops. Um, as Ukrainian government shuts down, but we but we can't do that. Isn't it funny? Yeah. Like, are you America laughing? America first. Yeah, America are, are you, first. Are you at the laughing? Bottom yet? Of the list. Come on, no, it, it's it, I, this if, is I, well. Funny. I have to laugh because if not, I'd cry. I mean, this is God dang man. Well, how about this? Is right. we're going to talk about yeah. a few other things when we get back about Ukraine and what's happening on there. We'll be right back with more. Dark Delight on the WYSL stations. All right, welcome back to the Dark Delight Show. So, Jim, not only 
did we find out that we're paying the salaries, taxpayers are paying the salaries of thousands upon thousands of Ukrainians and paying their farmers to keep on producing because, you know, they're not selling any of the grain. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Not only did their president and the Canadian prime minister give refuge and praise this weekend to a 98 World War II, 98-year-old World War II Nazi, um, but there was a leopard tank that was destroyed by the Russians this weekend. Uh-huh. And uh, when the Russians went to the Russian t- uh, to, the, to the tank, by the way, the leopard tanks are German. So these are German leopard tanks that Germany what? gave to Ukraine to help them fight, right? Just like the M1, just like the M2 Abrams that we gave to uh, to the Ukrainians. Right. So yeah. uh, when the Russians destroyed the tank, their special forces unit went in there, and uh, they found the soldiers still alive inside the tank. Okay. Um, unfortunately, the soldiers were German. Well. And uh, they weren't mercenaries. They were active duty German military inside the tank. Now here it comes. Um, so there was that. And then, how about this one? Oh, no. There's more. But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. <laughs> U.S. Army Hospital in Germany is treating American soldiers injured in huh? the fighting in Ukraine. Oh, wait, you said American. We're not in the fight, oh, yeah. Josh. You, you're lying to me. The Army Landstuhl Regional Medical Center has quietly started admitting Ukrainian Army soldiers who were wounded in combat. Most of them are American volunteers. Uh, It adds a group of Ukrainian Army soldiers pierced by Russian grenades and mortar shells arrived at the hospital recently to need surgery. Um, And so some of these soldiers are going in there as volunteers, Jim. So isn't it interesting that we have special forces battalions that are volunteering to go to Ukraine? Uh huh. Sure is. You sure remember is those videos? Yeah, you remember those videos of like the CIA videos, like the Tom Clancy movies, and like give us your ID and all your your dog tags. Well, how are they gonna identify me? That's the thing. You don't work for us. Yep. Guys, we have troops on the ground. The Germans have troops on the ground. I've been saying this since the beginning. Do you think that we just took out a Russian submarine and a Russian destroyer in one of the most heavily guarded ports after they knew we were coming without the U.S.'s help? Do you think that they just took out the the Russian naval headquarters without the U.S.'s help? No. No. Guys, this just expanded the war into NATO territory. And, And here's the thing, is the provocation was on NATO's side, not Russian. And this is what Russia has been waiting for. This is why Putin has been so patient and hasn't reacted to anything else. He's been waiting for the discovery to be made that NATO is on the ground killing Russians. Once that happens, guys, that's it. Russia just goes out there and declares war on NATO. And Russia comes out and says simply this. NATO has 24 hours to remove all their troops and presence from Ukraine or there will be a declaration of war. Wow. That, that's how this is going to go. Oh, it's going to be a mess, buddy. But it also means that World War III has already started the kinetic aspect. Of Isn't that kind of how World War I started? Isn't this kind of how, in a way, that it really kind of started? Kind of these little... Well, World War I started because and... of the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand. Well, his, cut, his nephew, right? Wasn't his nephew that was supposed no, to be? No, it was Archduke Ferdinand who was assassinated um, of Austria. Right. 
And that's how World War I started. But many people believe that um, the Archduke was assassinated simply to start World War I. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, it wasn't because someone wanted him out of the way. They just wanted to start World War I. It's like, the, the, it's like how the Americans got involved in World War I. Do you know how the Americans got involved in World War I? Uh, no. Go ahead, tell me. Oh, that was well, the Lusitania, wasn't it? It was the sinking of the Lusitania. And so the Germans had declared that the U.S. must not supply any of the European countries with armaments or their ships will be destroyed. And there was a U.S. vessel that went over there and was sunk, the Lusitania. And the Nazis declared that the USA, or not the Nazis, the Germans declared that the USA was shipping arms to Europe, which they were. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever heard the conspiracy theory that uh, that the Lusitania never actually sunk? That it was one big false flag? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's uh, the sad part of it is it's like the Maui. It's like the Vegas shooting. It's like uh, Sandy Hook. It's like 9-11. I mean, uh, please don't mention Sandy Hook in that, in that context. I don't want to be a, um, oh, an Alex Jones here. You don't want to be Jones. Sorry. Yeah, I don't want to be Jones. Well, the, but the problem is, is that I mean, there's too many questions, right? What, I mean, make it so clear to me that I, I mean, you, I, you can take away my ability to say maybe there's something else going on. Just take that, you know, do be honest with us. Oh, Instead I definitely believe somebody. there's something else going on. Now, did that actually happen? Yes, it did happen. Mm-hmm. Was there crisis actors involved in the aftermath? Oh, absolutely. Why? Because you have to control the narrative. You have to get. You have to show the emotional significance of the event on live broadcast television, and that's why they have those crisis actors. Yep. One of the big misconceptions in the conspiracy world is that crisis actors represent a false flag as in an event that never happened. That's not true. The events actually do happen. It's just the crisis actors fill in for the real family members who don't want any media attention. They don't want to talk. They don't want to communicate. Right. Wow. Which I wouldn't either. Wow, wow, wow. That type of horrific event took place. Yeah. Well, anyway, no, that's uh, that's fine. It looks like uh, everybody should be able to keep their lunch down today, so we've given them a real reason to settle their stomach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on. So, Jim, talk, talk to me yeah. about your uh, your trip to Nashville. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, so I flew out Monday, Monday or Friday morning uh, at the, the butt crack of dawn and uh, got there. Ended up downtown Nashville at a really cool place. Uh, had some meetings there, uh, a place that was built in the 19, I think, or 1860s. Really neat stuff. But on Saturday, had a little extra time and just kind of found ourselves, me and uh, a couple other people that were there. We, we ended up in the middle. They're like, hey, let's go look at the Parthenon. And I'm like, the Parthenon? What do you mean? The Par- well, no, there's a replica. And you know, Josh, when you think replica, you're thinking like, you know, 10 scale, one-tenth, you know, one-twentieth, or what, you know what I'm saying? There's a, there's a version of. And uh, we pull up to this, par- this park, and we go in there, and there's a life-size version up at the top of this hill of the Parthenon. Mm-hmm. But I want to give you something that's going to make it a little bit curiouser here, is that on the, the Parthenon itself, I mean, it's got these fluted columns with blocks and this this uh, nice huge overhang and it's got some gargoyles going or some uh, uh, griffins I mean some lion's head the door knockers on the seven ton doors are 
made of solid brass, but the door knockers are snakes intertwined. And then the there's all this stuff. And it's like, oh, it's all this like stonish looking. And you read the document on it. It says it was built in 1881 and 82 for the World's Fair in 86, but it was made from corn cob husks and plaster. But the building happened to last so long, they decided to go ahead and cover it in concrete. Hmm. Now, um, Josh, I don't know what kind of fake building you build out of plaster and corn husks that are 100 foot tall on top of a hill where it can be seen for miles and miles around, but then turn around and put a 42 foot uh, statue of Athena, which is like, there was nothing else in the building. Guys, you go into this museum, you go down into this basement area, and then you have to go up these stairs to go into this room up above where she is, and there's nothing on the walls, there's no other statues, there's no plaque, there's no nothing. It's just this big goddess statue with these snakes and everything all over it. And uh, I was sitting there and like, what did I just walk into here? And I really felt dirty. I felt like I had just paid tithe to the state to look at their goddess and their church. Because something about this felt very, like, I don't want to say uh, churchy, but it also felt very like I may have stumbled across something that, I don't know, it just didn't feel right. It just, a lot of, ugh, feeling. So, you know, you follow what I'm saying on that? Like, but it's all gold, like the, the it's all gold-leafed, the murals on it, really weird stuff. Uh, looked at the Minotaur that was killing men. Uh, is that is depicted everywhere on her feet and on the on the shield, but it also on her shield had the four different colored uh, horse the horses uh, the last you know those four horses the four yeah. horsemen they had all four colors of those being pulled by a chariot that had a god or goddess on the back of it. Mm. I mean, there, there's some end of world stuff looking in this, and I'm like, hey Tennessee. You got some explaining to do. What are you guys doing here? This has been around for 150 years, and you're saying you just coated some corn cob uh, plaster building with some stone, and it just has happens to be the exact same size as the Parthenon that was in Greece, but yet all the edges were perfectly machined. All I mean, none of this makes sense. None of it makes sense at all that this stuff exists or that this was a world's fair building this was the centerpiece of the world's fair and they just happened to tear down everything else but left this one interesting so mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. You, you know what's interesting is you also sent me this like isosceles triangle with a circle and three stars in the center at the top and uh-huh. what, what was the that capital place? building that's the oh. capital Oh, that's the capital. That's the capital looking north so the capital looks directly north and what i so yeah you picked up on all the the visual of it, didn't you? You didn't even recognize that that's the green cop, the copper building. That whole thing, that Egyptian-looking symbolism there, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that was just a, a, a aerial shot of the capital looking north, where there's these all this symbolism in the in the sidewalks and stuff. Huh. I'm yeah. gonna look at this. Yeah. Well, no, that's not the, the Capitol building. That's not the Capitol. That is the bottom. The the bottom of that building is that that bottom little green building there is the Capitol building looking north. Mm. And there happens to be just to the east of that building is the electric company, and the electric company has a concrete dome, not concrete dome, a stone dome, as if it was like the Sacred Heart Church in Europe. Oh, the, look at the it's, spire on top of the Capitol building. Oh yeah, nothing to see here, folks. This is all just you know we're just. 
Just having fun here. Well, I want to I want to talk about a lot of the symbology when we come back because this is my job for many many decades. We'll be right back with more Dark Delight show. Dark Delight on the WYSL stations. All right, stars. Back to the Dark Delight show. You know what's interesting, Jim, is Sir. that if you go to all the capital cities around this country, you'll start uh-huh. seeing very very similar architecture as well as symbolism. Now. What's interesting is if you go to the U.S. Capitol building, and I urge everybody to go to the U.S. Capitol building, uh-huh. and if you look at it on, like, Google Maps or something, uh-huh. and you look at the top of it, there's a spire at the top, okay? And on top right. of the spire is a woman. Do you know who that woman is? Uh-uh. They say that it's Libertas. Right. But it's uh, Persephone. And the interesting thing about Persephone is that she was dragged down into the underworld by Hades. Wow. And she was the sacrificial version of for saving of human soul. So she had to be dragged down into the under. So I, guys, if anybody out there doesn't know that, I study mythology, um, symbolism, and all this stuff for decades. Right. Um, but Libertas, Persephone, um, Isis, Athena, these were all the same deity in the sense of the small G gods. Now, she was dragged down into the underworld by Hades um, as the representation of the soul of, man's, uh, soul of mankind being dragged down into the darkness. So the dark days of the soul type of deal. Now, what's interesting is if you look at a map view of the U.S. Capitol mm-hmm. building, okay? And you have to go to the satellite view, and you have to turn it, um, your map, completely due east. And when you turn it due east, when you look at the Capitol building, you start to see these, like, roadways on the side of the Capitol form this image. Do you know what that image is of? Molot. Well, no. No, that's actually a massive misconception. Okay. Uh, The image is of an owl. Right. Okay. At the heart oh, that's right. of yeah, yeah. at the heart of the owl is the U.S. Capitol building, and at the center, very center of the heart, is Libertas or Persephone, who is dragged mm. down into the underworld. So the heart of mankind is dragged down into the underworld at that very location. It's a sacrificial location, but it's a sacrificial by evil because the symbology is not evil in nature. Okay, and and, uh, I'm going to try to explain this to you guys, uh, why this symbology is not evil in nature. This is actually our heritage as human beings in in understanding a lot of what this symbology is, that we have to understand that this these symbols have been hijacked by a very, very destructive evil who has held this knowledge from humanity for a very long time. Now, when I said owl, you said Moloch, right? Right. What's it, what's another depiction of Moloch? Ball, Baal, Ball, right? Yeah. Another yeah. one is Baphomet, right? Okay. And so, who who is that being to you? Oh, when you're talking about. Uh, so I always think of it as the Minotaur, or uh, no, the uh, Centaur, isn't it? The Baph mm-hmm. or the um, Baphomet is Centaur. It's the it's the bull body, bull of a bull head of a bull, but body of a man. The Minotaur? Is that right? Or a centaur? I get those. Well, that's a centaur. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
Did you know that there was a cipher, a Kabbalic cipher, that is used on the Hebrew Bible? Okay. Did you know this? Uh-oh. It's called the Atbash Code. Oh, wow. All right? Okay. And when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, the scholars that were sent in utilized the Atbash Code to basically decipher a lot of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, the Apache code is the first letter of the alphabet is replaced by the last letter. The second letter is replaced by the next to last letter, so on and so forth. And so this works in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, when you apply the Apache cipher to the word Baphomet, do you know what you get? What's that? The name Sophia. Oh. Do you know who Sophia nice. is? Keep going. Keep going. Sophia is the Gnostic goddess. So Gnosticism, basically, during the first century, Gnosticism was primary. It was the Gnostics who carried the original tradition of Christianity out of Egypt uh, from the Coptic understanding of it. Uh, A lot of people believe that it was the the Europeans who really spread Christianity throughout the world. No, it was actually the North Africans, Egyptians, so on and so forth. And it came out of ancient Egypt uh, with many of many of the derivations of the Coptics. And that was large in part due to the Gnostics who spread Christianity through the world. Now the Gnostics had a primary deity known as Sophia. Now this is resembled in Catholicism as Mary In Gnosticism, she's Mary Magdalene. In Egyptian mythology, she is Isis. In Greek mythology, she is Athena. Roman mythology, Minerva. And she is the immaculate conception of God. As in born of a man with no woman. And so the inversion... The feminine representation of Christ. And so the Templars, it was said that on their shield, they had obviously the red cross. And then behind it, they had what was called the three-headed being deity that they worshipped. But behind the three-headed being was actually a picture, if you knew how to Mm -hmm. cipher it, of Sophia. Because they were Gnostics. And so... Sophia is where we get our word. Um, where you, you ever heard of like philosophy? The Sophie. Oh, yeah. It, in Greek derivation is Sophia. It's the love of. The love of knowledge, right? Right. So Sophia is this ancient goddess who's been portrayed in many derivations throughout all mythology. And you can find her within every single culture on this planet because she is representative of the divine feminine. What do I mean by the divine feminine? It is Mm -hmm. the female power or energy of God. So if you want to look at God as Father Sky as the the Norse did, then Sophia would be Mother Nature. Mm. Okay? Because Father Sky and Mother Nature, when they meet, that is what gives birth to life. You can't have you can't have life without both of those being in a coherence. So Sophia um, is 
idolized in a lot of various occult traditions and mythology, uh, mythology as well as religious traditions. Uh, any, like, for instance, you saw a statue there of Athena. Now, the interesting story of Athena, and, and there's some really interesting occult writings on these topics. Now, the one I'm going to talk about here, this might shock some people, but this is, this is the way that a lot of these people think. And whether you believe it or not, my, uh, my interpretation is for you to go out there and research it yourself and don't just take my word for it. Mm-hmm. You ever heard of a guy by the name of Albert Pike? Yep. Okay, Albert Pike is a former Confederate general. Right. Okay. And he was also the uh, Grand Master of the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry in the uh, mid-1800s. He was a scholar. He was a polymath, highly intelligent human being. And he also became a very, very functional occultist. Now, being the head of the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, he was ordained as a 33rd degree Freemason, which is an honorary degree. Right. But uh, he wrote a book called – he wrote a lot of books, and I highly recommend people read them whether you think the guy's evil or not. The, one of the reasons, the main reasons that people call him evil is because of a letter that he wrote to the head of the Italian um, – kind of like the mafia at that time, uh, Gillespie Milizano, where he mm-hmm. talked about the coming three wars that were going to plague this earth. And they all happened, yeah. World War I, World War II, and then the continuation of the war. And right. the reason we, we know that this was their plan, the Illuminati's plan or his plan, the occultist plan, is because in the book Morals and Dogma, he actually talks about the grand dilemma. Right. Now, this guy's an occultist. So what he believes is that there's this prevailing spirit in the world in the universe that moves through every single one of us and the spirit, it shall not be named, but it has different expressions of itself. And we can call those different expressions in different contexts. But the people who believed in these occult or esoteric traditions have been persecuted for millennia. And what he means by persecuted is they've been killed, maimed, brutally tortured, burned at the cross, And they've been basically extinguished. And he talks about hundreds of millions, if not billions of people throughout the millennia have been eradicated off of this planet simply because their belief differed from the people doing the eradicating. One of us. One of us. Now, the interesting thing about the people doing the eradicating, do you know who they were? Mm -hmm. The Christians? The Christians, that's right. It was the first, the, the Crusades, it was the conquistadors, mm-hmm. it was the Christians. The Puritans, yeah. And so in the book Morals and Dogma, he talks about the real battle is between Adonai, which is a Hebrew word meaning Lord, and Lucifer, where he proclaims that Lucifer is the one true God. And this is why people proclaim as evil. Now, if you take the mid-19th century definition of Lucifer and understand what that word means, a word that never actually showed up in the Bible, by the way. Shatan, deceptor, deceiver, is what showed up in the Bible. Lucifer never did. Lucifer Morningstar is talking about Venus. Venus. Okay? He's talking about Venus. And Venus is what? Planet? No, a god. It's a female. It's a female love, right? Love? Yeah. It's Sophia. Oh, really? The masculine representation of Sophia is Lucifer. 
And Lucifer just means the shining one of brilliance, the shining one of light. And the light aspect of it is what they're talking about is the primordial light that's talked about in Genesis 1. And this is, I think it's uh, Al-Hashem. And the, the mm. Al-Hashem is the divine light. It's the spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. So when God says um, God created light and he separated the light and the darkness, that's spirit that he creates. It's not literal light. Right. And this is important to understand because in here, he actually goes and talks about this is that the, he talks about how Lucifer so forth, right? We'll talk about that in a second. But then he talks about the real battle is between the atheists and the Christians who they are waging a war against. So he basically says that atheists are not of them, that they're waging a war on the atheists and the Christians, and that Satanism is nothing much more than a 19th century creation by atheists within their own ideology. And so this actually spans out into a very, very uh, crazy occult agenda into the 19th century to hijack both of those kind of religions. And they did a very, very good job of it because it's the atheists today that are the Satanists who are being corrupted and led astray by these dark occultists who don't believe anything of what they're promulgating to them, but basically creating division amongst the Christians with them. And this is a larger occult agenda. But I'm going to talk more about this when we come back. We'll be right back with more Dark Delight Show. Dark Delight on the WYSL stations. All right. Back to the Dark Delight Show. So going back to Albert Pike's interpretation of things. So he waged war on atheists and Christians. And he says that Satanism was nothing more than a, a false deification created by atheists eventually hijacked by the dark occultist and utilized to basically destroy the atheist. And this is why science is in peril today and so forth. Okay, so, but getting back to the context of how this fits in mythologically to the sac- what they call the sacred mysteries or the esoteric mysteries. Right. So in Genesis, if we go through the Hebrew interpretation of how this actually proclaims it, um, you have the divine light, which is the spirit that God creates. So God creates the spirit and he separates the spirit into what? Darkness and light. The yin and Day yang. and night. Now, what does that mean? Well, there's multiple connotations to this. One is masculine and feminine. Another variation is matter and souls. Hmm. Now, when you start to understand that, one of the creations that comes about of that, and this comes from Kabbalistic studies, if you get into the Kabbalah and you start understanding what the deeper mystery is into that light, is that the first light that was created was the light called Lucifer. And really? what that is, is the chaotic soul. It is the soul that has no discipline, no boundary, that destroys everything it comes in contact with. The brilliant one that cannot contain its light. Now, there's various interpretations of this. This is one that Albert Pike just happened to believe. Right. So when Albert Pike says that they're the, the true God that he talks about is Lucifer, he's actually saying his soul of which he takes that soul 
and through a process of alchemy, a process of transmutation, they forge that lead, that light, into gold, mm. which the gold, which is this, this higher state of consciousness, which they call the above man, is what they so call. This is Christ. an alchemist. This is the alchemist, the the person who can manipulate gold, which is what Benjamin Franklin was, as well as others. But yeah. Isaac Alchemy. Newton, all of them. Yep. And, and then yeah. they turn it into gold, which is what the enlightened soul, or what they call the Christ, the anointed. Mm-hmm. And so, when you go back to the Bible and you understand that there's this deviation between dark and light, right. now go back to the statue of Athena destroying mankind with the foot of uh, what was it that was trampling on mankind a centaur yeah okay. uh, the me- minotaur what, what was no no yeah yeah centaur it's the the uh, human the body with the horse right. yeah yeah well that's just yeah. representative of the constellation that dominates over mankind so it's the archetypical nature what the archetypical nature means a subtle energy deviation that resonates with the uh, the subtle energy of the neurological patterns within your body that bring about the expression of that archetype. That's a conversation for another day. But mm-hmm. Athena was born... So Athena is a very, very interesting character in Greek mythology. She was born out of the forehead of Zeus. So right. she was born of immaculate conception with no mother out of the forehead of Zeus. Now the forehead just happens to be the third eye, that point right there, the center of the forehead, happens to be the third eye. It's the point, the yeah. seat of all knowledge, the seat of the soul. So Athena's born with all of the knowledge of all the gods. And so she doesn't want to share this with mankind, so she hides it from them. And she hides it in the darkness. And she protects mm. it with a owl. This owl is the overseer of the darkness, the protector of the knowledge that hides within the darkness. So this is oftentimes a symbol of the occult is the owl. It doesn't have anything to do with, well, it does have something to do with Moloch, but it's not Moloch. Now, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Is you ever heard of the, the cremation of cure, the, the Bohemian Grove ceremony where they have the effigy that floats down, they have the, the owl, and then they cast a shadow and they praise, worship the Moloch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. what's actually happening? Stuff. Yeah, that that's an that's an Athenian, an Athenian worship, not mm. Moloch. And the reason I say that is because what happens there is, Jim, you have a false light. You want to know what false light is? It's light from the sun. It's light from fire. Mm-hmm. It, it's the light bulbs that light up your house. And the reason that right. that light is false is because it it basically oscillates the rods and the cones in your eyes. It goes, sends a electrical signals down your cerebral cortex into, down your optic nerve into your cerebral cortex and in the deepest, darkest spot of your brain produces an image of what it believes is out there. But what is out there is not really what's happening. It's just a small little slither of the wavelength of what you can actually see and perceive created by the darkest parts of your mind. As in, you are hallucinating reality. A reality is an illusion. That means that light mm. that is producing reality is the deceptive light. Oh, wow. So, so when the is fire... The, is the, light is light the great is deceiver? The, that's right. So when the, when the light of the sun of a fire or of, of light bulbs is shone onto the owl in the darkness, it casts a shadow. When people look at that shadow as an idol... That's the falsification. That shadow, if you take an owl and you cast a shadow on it, has elongated ears which look like horns. That's Moloch. That's Baal. 
That's Satan. That is the manifestation of that deity through the falsification of believing that the shadow is the truth. As in right. the, re- the, the deceptive light is shone on the owl, of the owl, the protector of knowledge, and you see the illusion which it brings about, and you believe that that illusion is the truth of the knowledge. That's the great deceiver. Wow. Now, let me ask you this. Looking upon that owl in the darkness, then what light should you use? The light of your soul. Oh, wow. Yeah. When the so light the connection of the soul, to source, right? That's right. When the light of the soul is shone onto the owl, the knowledge is revealed. This is what the occult, many in the occult, especially people like Albert Pike, believe. So this is always about the this is all about the sleight of hand. It's all that's what all this is, right? This is why they did all this stuff. Because it wasn't they didn't come out and tell you you had to work around it or, or decipher it, right? Well, what they're talking about is that um, their people had been persecuted for a very, very long time, so they were sick and tired of it. So they wanted to eradicate that ideology from the world, and that's what they've been doing for the last 150 years. And that's why we're Uh in this depopulation agenda and everything that's happening right now, because it is a dark occult agenda that they are perpetuating because of the persecution that they've had for millennia. Um, But the, the philosophy behind it all, the understanding of it. Um, in Revelation 17, they talk about the whore of Babylon who had an X cast upon her forehead. Who was the god of Babylon? Other than that, goddess of Babylon. That's Ishtar. Ishtar oh, yeah. is Easter. Is Easter, Ishtar, is Isis, is Athena, is Sophia. Now, interesting about the goddess of Babylon, they said that God destroyed the Tower of Babel. Now, Babel, the word in Hebrew is two words, Babanel, which actually translates the gate to God. So the God of Babylon destroyed, not not God, the God of Babylon destroyed the tower. Mm -hmm. Who's the God of Babylon? Ishtar. Wow. Ishtar destroyed destroyed the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel is in Revelation 17, is why the X is upon her forehead. Cain had an X upon his forehead. That is cut off from the garden or from the sacred knowledge. Right. Ah, anyways. Good stuff. Story for a different day, guys. Yeah, it's good stuff. Much love, respect. God bless you guys. You guys take care. Have a great night. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.